Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Amen. We're going to read the Bible now. Uh, So if you've got a Bible there in front of you, uh, it's in Acts chapter 2. It's going to be on the screen as well. And we do just want to say to those who are at home watching, welcome. It's good to have you here. Uh, We're looking at Acts chapter 2, verse 37. We're going to read to the end of the chapter. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Those the Lord added to their number daily. Uh, and, sorry, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Good morning. My name is Ryan, if we haven't met before. And it's going to be fantastic to jump into the book of Acts together. And so before we do that, I'm going to pray for us. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we slow down now and stop and and hear you speak to us, that you speak to us as your people, as Jesus' people, whom you have chosen and immersed us in his spirit. And so we pray that in this moment we would know the inner workings of his presence, that we would come to know more deeply who your son is, the presence of his spirit in our life and what you are seeking to do in and through us as your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is like the seventh week that we're back in church face to face. And I wonder if you've slowed down enough or, or asked the question, you know, what got us here? What had to happen to make church happen? And what did we have to do to see Southside re-emerge uh, and, and meet and gather face to face? Let me invite you into that process and and take you back to, to July 12 when we were sitting, planning, thinking about what it would mean, what it would take for us to meet face to face for the first time. And it was it was at that time we had to we had to sign up to the, the Queensland or the, the government's uh, COVID safe plan for places of worship. 
And through that, we began the process of figuring out, you know, how many people could we actually fit in our church building, in all the rooms, and particularly in here, the auditorium. Because once we figured that out, we could actually then start to see, well, what would that mean for us gathering together as a church? How many services could we have? Was it Could we stay at one service? Would it mean two or three? And as we figured out, you know, that, okay, we'd have two services, what impact would that have on the ministries that help the services happen? Could we sustain that? Could we make that happen? You know, once we did move to two services, you know, how... Once we actually started meeting together, how do we make sure that the two services didn't kind of rub shoulders or, or cross paths? You know, over you know, 150 you know, signs have been laminated and placed around church to help us make sense of how to relate safely. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars have been spent uh, to provide you know, COVID-safe cleaning kits for every room in, in our church. You know, I haven't even I haven't even mentioned what's had to happen to keep kids, church, youth, uh, growth groups, English for Life, play group to meet. The changes that have had to happen to ministry teams like the music team and welcoming. And they're practical um, yeah, questions, but what about the, the emotional toll? What about the responsibility and the emotional weight and toll to be those who are responsible for each other's safety and health? And I'll throw another question out to you. How would you feel to be that person who has to go and tell someone who's come to church sick? Or maybe they've come to church with a sick child that's sorry, you need to go. Who wants to be that person? So when we stop and think about it, when we stop and, and consider the, the time and the, the, the talent and the, you know, the, the tough decisions that have gone into making and seeing Southside re-emerge, is, you know, it's a lot. And you've got to ask the question, why? Why all the trouble? Why is church worth that? Why does church matter that much? And so as we, we enter into the story of Acts, but in particularly the, the passage that was read out for us in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we're kind of entering into the story of the church emerging for the first time, meeting together for the first time. And although the situation is different, as we re-emerge for the first time, we can learn some important and valuable lessons as to why church matters for us. And so Luke, the, the author of Acts, he's, already, um, he's telling us in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, that he's already written a book about Jesus' life, what he began to do in his life and his death and his resurrection. And, and he reminds us that before Jesus left and ascended, he told his disciples to wait, to wait for the the promise of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, that, that Jesus' Spirit would be sent to his disciples and they would be empowered to, to be his witnesses in the world. And so in Acts, we pick up this story of what Jesus is continuing to do through his Spirit in the lives of his people. And we're going to see three reasons why church matters. Church matters because the Spirit has been unleashed in and through the lives of Jesus' people. The Spirit immerses people into a relationship with Jesus. 
And the Spirit, through Jesus' and disciples, imitate him as they live life together. And so as we pick up the story of the emerging of the church for the first time in the opening chapters, we see the disciples waiting and praying together in Jerusalem, waiting for the gift of the Spirit. And and in chapter 2, in the opening verses of chapter 2, here they are. They're waiting, they're praying. You know, they can hear the, the voices of each other in the room as each person takes time to pray. They're listening and praying with each other. They hear, you know, those moments of silence as one person stops praying, the next person starts. You know, their ears are kind of filled with the background noise of the world happening. You know, the wind blowing in the trees outside. People walking by, the world, life happening around them. Then another sound captures their attention. Another sound starts to fill their ears and, and something happens to them in that moment. Something happens that hasn't happened before, that they've never experienced before, that, that nothing that they've experienced can, can capture exactly what's going on. And they're immersed in what sounds like this gale-forced wind. The sound of a roaring bushfire consumes them, filling them. And it's the, the moving of the Spirit as Jesus' Spirit comes. And you know whether this is a visible event or what, what is for sure, what is certain is that this is real and it's happening. Now, you know, although this this event, this situation might be hard to understand. One thing that isn't hard for us to understand is that what does it mean to be immersed? We know what it means to be immersed in something. You know, whether it's being immersed in uh, your job, uh, your study, maybe. Um, what it means to be immersed in a relationship with somebody, a hobby, a sport, you know, we kind of get what it means to be immersed, whether it's, you know, it could be deep into gaming or something like that, whatever it is for you. We've all experienced that sense of being immersed in something. And for me, I can remember uh, from the age of 6 to 20, I was immersed in a rugby league. I was consumed by it. You know, every you know, breath was rugby league. I lived it. I breathed it. If I wasn't playing it, you know, I was training for it. If I wasn't training for it, I was... I was talking about it. If I wasn't talking about it, I was thinking about it. If I couldn't do all of those other things, I'd find any other way to kind of cram rugby league into into my life. And um, you know, art in year twelve, a lot of my art projects were rugby league focused. Yes, I was you know that bad. <laughs> um, it's like get a life, <laughs> but that's not the worst. Uh, I feel dirty saying this next bit, but our school didn't play rugby league. And so the closest thing I could get was AFL. And I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but for a year at school I played AFL because it was the closest thing I could get to playing rugby league. I lived it. I breathed it. I was, I was consumed by it, immersed in it, absorbed, engulfed, caught up. The disciples, though, they're not getting caught up by rugby league or, or something like that. They're not just even getting caught up in any kind of relationship. They're getting caught up. They're immersed in a relationship 
with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus' personal presence, the personal presence that, that walked with them, God's personal presence that walked with them in the person of Jesus is now with them in an even deeper way they've never experienced before through the presence of Jesus' Spirit in their life. And so from now on, Jesus' Spirit is going to be at work in them and through them. And we see that in verses, in chapter 2, sorry, verses 5 to 13, as, as the disciples start sharing the good news of the gospel and people start to hear about Jesus for the first time in their own languages. But then the story continues and it focuses in on, on Peter. And in chapter 2, verses 14 to 41, we see the Spirit at work in Peter's life, in him and through him. As Peter gets up and, and, and we read the first Christian sermon recorded. And we see that the Spirit at work in Peter. In verses 14 to 21, Peter understands he knows and he's a renewed awareness that, that God has sent his spirit, that the spirit of Jesus is, is in them and that they belong to God's risen Lord and Saviour, Jesus. He has a renewed awareness of who he is in relationship to God. He also has a renewed awareness of, of who Jesus is. In verses uh, 22 to 41, what we see in here is this clarity around Jesus that we've never heard come out of anyone's mouth before. Peter understands that, that Jesus is God come to bring what he promised, the promise of salvation. And that although Jesus died, he's alive and his spirit has been unleashed in the world and in the lives of the disciples. We also see the Spirit not just work in Peter, but through Peter as he preaches, as he witnesses to Jesus. Jesus said that the Spirit would come and empower his disciples to be his witnesses in the world. And we see this. This is what Peter is doing. And so as the story of Acts unfold, we begin to see that the, what moved the early church, what made the early church emerge was the unleashing of the Spirit in the lives of his people at work in them and through them. And so as we re-emerge as a church, the first reason why church matters is because Jesus' Spirit is unleashed in us and is at work in us and through us. And since Jesus' Spirit is at work in us and through us, the question is, what is the Spirit doing? What is it that he's continuing to do what is it that Jesus' the Spirit is continuing to do in the world? And, and by asking that question, we actually begin to figure out the second reason why that church matters. So let's pick up the story of Acts where we left off with Peter speaking, witnessing about Jesus, and those who are hearing are deeply convicted about what they're hearing about Jesus. We see that in verse 37. The people hearing this are cut to the heart as Jesus speaks, and they ask, what shall we do? Peter's answer in verse 38 shows us what it is that Jesus is continuing to do through the Spirit. Verse 38, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter's answer is repent. 
Repent. Follow Jesus as your Lord. Turn your life around and follow his way of life. Repentance means turning your life around and around Jesus' way of life. But that's not all that Peter says. He says that you need forgiveness. You need forgiveness for your sins because what you've done matters. The way you've lived rejecting Jesus matters, but he's willing to forgive. He forgives you because he's your saviour. And Peter says that this new way of life and this life of forgiveness, it's all found in Jesus. He says it's in the name of Jesus. Now, growing up for me, my grandparents had a, a 25-metre lap pool in their backyard. Now, they had a 25-metre lap pool in their backyard because I don't think it's your average thing. <laughs> Because they were, my mom was one of 13, so it's not your average family size either. So it's, you know, had to be room in the pool for all the kids and all the friends and, and whatever. And anyways, when we would go and visit um, Grana and, and Frank, we would always go into the pool, always spend time at the pool. You know, and when you were down there, you know, I was always in the water, but there's always people who weren't, who was kind of sitting on the edge. And so I always kind of wondered, why aren't you in the pool? Like, you've got to get in to enjoy the pool. Because there is a difference. Standing on the edge, or even, you know, the, the people who sit on the edge and dangle their feet in the water, there's even a difference between that and actually being in the pool, immersed, enjoying the water, benefiting from swimming and being in the water. There's a difference between standing on the edge and being immersed in the water. Acts is showing us that there is a difference and we need to be immersed in Jesus if we want to benefit and enjoy the new life and the forgiveness that he's offering. Being immersed in Jesus means that we get access to and we enjoy this new life and the forgiveness that he holds out to us. Peter's talking about being immersed into a relationship with Jesus. And notice what he goes on to say in verse 38, that you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. The word baptized literally means immersed. Peter says repentance and forgiveness is found by being immersed in Jesus, in a relationship with Jesus. And so the, the ritual of baptism that we practice when people come up and you know, we you know, pour water over them or, or however baptism is done, the point is, the main point is that this is an outward visible confession of the unseen but very real spiritual reality of this person's life, that they are immersed in Jesus. And the way that a person, Peter says, is immersed into Jesus is by receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the gift of the Spirit is what joins us, is what unites us, immerses us in this relationship with Jesus where we enjoy forgiveness and a new way of life. And, and he helpfully sums all this up in verse 40. He says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Now, it sounds like Peter's saying that we can save ourselves. 
but it's not actually what he's saying. The, the verb save is a passive verb, which it actually sounds more like let yourselves be saved by having Jesus grasp hold of you. Let yourselves be saved by being deeply immersed in a relationship with Jesus. And in verse 39 to 41, Peter says that this invitation to be immersed in a relationship with Jesus extends to everybody, to those close to you and to those far off, to anybody, to all God is calling. And we see thousands of people come to Jesus enter into immersed in this relationship with him and so we see that the the second reason why church matters is because it's in us and through us the spirits at work calling people to be immersed in this relationship with jesus a relationship that we know church matters because we are god's people who have been immersed in this relationship with jesus inviting others to be immersed in this relationship with Jesus too. That's what we're claiming if we claim to be Christians, that we enjoy and share in this kind of relationship with Jesus. And so it's worth just slowing down for a moment just to think about what that looks like because like we saw before, we are familiar, you know, to something we said about what, it, what it's like to be immersed in something. But at the same time, we need to realise that being immersed in Jesus is being immersed in a relationship that we've never experienced before because Jesus is so different. There's, because, you know, like there's, a, there's a difference between me swimming in my grandparents' pool than if I was to go and have a swim in the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea, if you know anything about it, um, I discovered, you know, when you swim in the Dead Sea, it's like floating. Because the salt content's so high, you float. It's so safe to swim in the Dead Sea because swimming is floating. It's so different to swimming in any other place. Being in a relationship with Jesus is so different from any other relationship. It's different because it's so safe, it's so loving, it's so forgiving. You know, that like, like swimming in the Red Sea is floating. So being in a relationship is like swimming in forgiveness. Jesus' forgiveness upholds us when we get things so wrong. But remember, there's another, another part to being in a relationship with Jesus that is different. And uh, there's a study done um, with the kind of the areas of, of neuroscience and psychology looking at this, the, the relationship between nature and nurture and how we grow up. In part of the study, they observed how ducklings uh, attach themselves to a mama duck and how through uh, that relationship, you know, the ducklings learn how to, to live. They learn how to navigate the world. They learn what to do, what not to do, to thrive and survive. And what they discovered was that, you know, if the ducklings had a, a lame or an unhealthy mama duck, they would learn to really not cope in the world. But if they had a healthy you know, mama duck, they learned how to live. And basically, the study would eventually go on to show that like ducklings, we as people have these kind of attachment relationships too, that we too have people in our life that we're attached to that actually show us how to live. 
But the thing is that in these relationships, the people we're attached to are meant to know how to live. But the reality is that they're all unhealthy relationships. They're all unhealthy examples of what it means to live the good life, how to live in the world, what to do, what not to do. They're all unhealthy. Because, you know, the reality is that's what comes in with the territory of living in a broken world. We don't know how to live God's way in the world because we haven't been shown it. But it's different with Jesus. When we're attached in a relationship with him, he knows because he's lived it. He's the perfect example of how to live in God's world with God. He shows us the good and beautiful life that God always intended us to live in. He wants to teach us that. So through our attachment with Jesus, not only are we forgiven, but we learn to live God's way. Being immersed into a relationship with Jesus means that we're entering into a loving relationship we've never forgiven before, upheld, swimming in forgiveness as he teaches us how to live the, a good and right and beautiful life like his. So at this point, like, if you've been coming along to Southside and, and you're not one of Jesus' people yet, you haven't been immersed into a relationship with him, please consider that. Know what it is to be swimming in a loving relationship where you're upheld in forgiveness. Learn from him in how to live. Now, but also quickly, if you're someone here who is a Christian and, and you haven't been baptized, man, we'd love to do that. It'd be our privilege to, to see you publicly confess that inner reality of, of you being immersed in Jesus. And so since Jesus' Spirit has been unleashed in our life, immersed in Him, He's working in us and through us, producing this life of repentance and forgiveness, what does that actually look like? And so as we then answer that question, we're going to find out our third reason why church really matters. And in, chaps, uh, in chapter in chapter 2, verse you know, 42 to 47, the verses that we had read out, where we're shown that being immersed into a relationship with Jesus looks like being immersed into a relationship with Jesus' people, where we learn to live like him together, where we learn to imitate Jesus. And what we see in these verses, in verse 42 to 47, is this community of 3,000 or more of Jesus' people who are immersed in relationship together as they imitate Jesus in five ways. Five behaviours characterise Jesus' people. The first we see in verse 42, they are devoted to Jesus. They are devoted to the teachings that Jesus has passed down to the apostles. Verse 43, they are filled with awe and wonder at Jesus' spirit at work through his people. Uh, verse 45, they are sacrificially serving one another like Jesus. Verse 46, they're loving one another as they share their lives with each other, like we saw Jesus in his life. Verse 47, and they're reflecting the way Jesus lived as they see more and more people included into a relationship with him. And so as the Spirit is at work in his people, he's at work through them. And we see the result in verse 47. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This is the third reason why church matters. It's because the Spirit has been unleashed 
in Jesus' people, at work in them and through them, so that more people would come to be in a relationship with Jesus, would come to be immersed in him and immersed in Jesus' people. This is what it means to be saved. That's what Peter's saying it means to be saved, to be immersed in a relationship with Jesus and his people. And so that's why we do what we do. That's why we gather here at Southside as a church. Because it's happening. It's why we organize church around uh, what we, we call our five M's. These five you know, signature moves of Jesus' people. Because we want to be a people that, that take being immersed in Jesus seriously. We want to point to him. We want to imitate him. We want to display Jesus in all his goodness. And so we take on these five you know, behaviors that shape the life of the church. And so we, that's why we say that we, we want to see anyone and everyone who calls Southside home seeking to magnify Jesus, in awe and wonder of him by gathering together and singing and praying and he- listening to him. That's why we want to see every, every person here express their membership by, by being with us every week, caring for one another, welcoming one another, loving one another. And we want to see everyone serving, ministering to each other as they serve in ministry teams, sacrificially giving. We want to see everyone on mission involved in the lives of people who don't know Jesus yet, who aren't yet his people, and taking the moments when they come to witness, to share, to tell people about who Jesus is. Because it's by committing to these, by doing what we do, that we continue to imitate Jesus. We continue to learn Jesus' way to be like him in the world, to function like him in the world as we do that together. Now, you know, a few days ago I was watching Australia's, um, you know, the Deputy Chief, (laughs) got to get this right, Australia's Deputy Chief Medical Officer, uh, you know, just kind of speaking to the the backlash from all the restrictions and, you know, he's defending why. Why are they doing all this? Why are they asking us to do all this? And, and he replies, I think, what they've continued to say again and again and again, because people's lives matter. People's lives are at stake. Why do we go to so much effort to make church re-emerge, to happen? Why are we asking you to, to follow along with all these, these changes? It's because we want church to gather. Because people's lives are at stake. People's souls are on the line. Because the church, Jesus' people, we are those who have been immersed in Jesus. He is at work in us and through us to see people saved by being immersed in Jesus too. That's why we're here. That's why we matter. That's why church is worth it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us and invited us to be immersed in your son Jesus in a relationship with you through him. That you have filled us, you have poured into our hearts, you have immersed us in this loving and new way of life in Jesus. 
thank you that you uphold us in forgiveness when we get things wrong. And thank you that you're at work in us, committed to show us a new way of living like your son did. We pray that we would be a church, Father, that continues by your grace and the, the power of your spirit at work in us and through us to be a people who imitate Jesus. We pray this, Father, so that more and more people would come to see the beauty, the goodness, the glory, the greatness of your son. They might know his forgiveness and new life too. Amen.